Get Up Nation. My name is Ben Biddick. I am the creator and host of the Get Up Nation podcast, where I serve individuals, organizations, and societies to develop and sustain resilience and perseverance. I'm the co-author of Get Up, The Art of Perseverance with former Major League Baseball player and CEO of Rurong Living, Adam Greenberg. The Get Up Nation podcast is brought to you in partnership with GotYour6Coffee.com, where Navy veteran Eric Hadley is committed to serving first responders, veterans, and their families through a variety of nonprofit organizations. No stranger to adversity, Eric has fused necessity of coffee with his passion for public service. You're already purchasing coffee. Why not empower your coffee with purpose? Why not purchase coffee that not only has your six, but also has the backs of those who don a uniform of service for our communities and great country? Learn more about Eric and his freshly roasted award-winning coffee at gotyoursixcoffee.com. Welcome to this episode of the Get Up Nation podcast. Recently, I had the honor and privilege of speaking with Charlinda Scales. Charlinda is the CEO and servant leader of Mutt Sauce, where her mission is to bring American families together one bottle of sauce at a time. She's also served more than 11 years in the United States Air Force, and I am so happy she's here now to share with Get Up Nation the brilliance of who she is and the amazing legacy that her grandfather is creating along with her even now today. So welcome to the show, Charlinda. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So let's start off with where you currently live and work. Sure. Right now I'm in Dayton, Ohio, and I've been here for a few years now. Excellent. All right. Let's talk about your amazing relationship with your grandfather. Will you tell us about your grandfather and the influence he had on your life? The company that I have is called Mutt Sauce LLC, and we distribute an all-purpose sauce across state and Ohio and uh, I guess the nation. But the story of Mutt Sauce is actually his life story. And he was born in Tennessee, and his name was Charlie Farrell. His nickname was Mutt. It was actually his military call sign from Korea and Vietnam. He was an aircraft mechanic. So he was a very adaptable personality, got along with everyone. They basically said he could blend in anywhere. The story is, is about him and his upbringing. He loved service. He loved family, but he was also really obsessed with this notion of creating a sauce, one sauce for all, all meals. And he thought people were wasteful with condiments. He actually did not even like them. Huh. So he, he's like, why, why would I have 10 condiments in my fridge when I can create one that I'll eat all the time? Huh. And that was basically the impetus for him to put his passion and his time into creating it back in 1956. So my family's been eating this for generations Dang. and it was never a company. So when people were like, oh, so you've had a company. So no, it was never a company. It was just a sauce in a mason jar or in a gallon jug. It, it didn't have a formal name. As I went on my own journey, joining the military, I only did that because I didn't have any prospects to play sports in college because I was a jock and that's what I wanted to do. And I tore my ACL first soccer game of senior year. And if anybody's ever had a soccer or ACL injury, it takes like a year or more to rehab. So I was just trying to redo what I thought my future would look like. And lo and behold, a classmate was filling out an ROTC reserve officer training corps scholarship application. He gave up on it and handed it to me. So (laughs) I filled it out. (laughs) (laughs) I filled it out. I passed my guidance counselor in the hallway and she said, what's that? I was like, I don't know, some scholarship. 
I was just deflated because I was like, I'm not playing sports. I don't care. Turns out it was a free ride to any college that I wanted to go to. I ended up being the first officer in my family and my grandfather was the first person to salute me. So I wanted to carry out that legacy. The service legacy in my family is very strong. We're a four generation military family. We've served in every branch except for the Coast Guard. So that's what my, my main priority was to help fill that void. My cousin in my generation had gone into the Marines and got hurt. And our grandfather, God bless him, he had a little bit of a backwards, I would say now it would be seen as very backwards philosophy on the service. His philosophy was retire. <laughs> and that is service. Because when he came home, he's like, no, granddad, I did it. He's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Hold on a second. And he did. He started proudly. He he did he did his thing. So always proud of my my cousin who's a Marine. And but it was time for the next person. He was like, okay, next. Hmm. And my my cousin Carlos, who's older than me, it was just like a hierarchy. Who's next? And he was just like, you know, he was smart. He was into his school and stuff. And you just want to take that away from him. So there was me. Can't say that I wasn't reluctant at first, but when I heard free school, yeah. Sure. Yeah. So that's how I ended up, you know, in the service following my grandfather's legacy. But the sauce was his invention. So when people read the story on the bottle, it's not about me. It's about him. And it is powerful, that that image of you in that salute with your grandfather there. It's powerful. People need to check it out. On the, It's not available on your website. You gave a great talk there at the TED-sponsored talk that you gave. Really mm-hmm. powerful stuff and, and great to Thank see you. the images of him, yeah, with you. And you talked about one of those images being one of your proudest moments on earth, standing there with yes. your grandfather. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. really profound. And, and so let's talk about one of your favorite focuses is purpose. So you talk about one of your purposes being serving your country, but you received a letter that created a new purpose in your life. Will you share a little bit about the significance of receiving the recipe of your grandfather's legendary sauce? Yes. So I was on active duty and just doing my thing. I was at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base here in Ohio. I'd been on active duty for about eight years. And my my mom, she was the executor of the will, I guess you would say, the caretaker for my grandfather towards the end of his life. He had cancer. And so I told her at one point, I was like, you know, it's kind of strange. He didn't leave his recipe to anybody. It seemed like it was really important, but what we walked away with was we thought he just took it with him, you know, after he passed and I was eating food. I was eating a meal. I can't remember what it was. All I remember was it was really bland. <laughs> it was not good. <laughs> and I was like, man, you know, be really good on this right now. Let me, let me call my mom. So I called my mom. And I said, you know, it just is not the same. And I just still cannot believe he didn't leave it behind for anyone. And she said, well, you need to come see me so we can talk about that. And, you know, my mom, she's, I love her. She's cryptic though. She's, she's <laughs> like Fort Knox. Like she wants somebody to not say anything. She's the one who goes to. I see. And she had kept that secret for eight years that before wow. he passed, he said, hand this to my granddaughter. And it was an envelope. And I opened the envelope when I saw her and it was one handwritten recipe, the original recipe for the sauce. And apparently he kept it in his wallet. It was always with him because wow. we're like, he just had it in his head. I don't think he, you know, 
I didn't think he wrote it down, but he did. And the reason why nobody ever saw it is because it was in his wallet. No kidding. So that creates another purpose in you. And you start to, you had a dream and you started to share this with the world. Yes, it was, kind of, you know, you know, I said, yeah, I had this dream about, I was like, I don't, I didn't want it to sound cliche, but that really is what happened. After I'd gotten home with this handwritten recipe, I had this dream that I walked into a corner store that sat at the top of the hill. I grew up living with my grandparents, my mom and I lived with them in Tennessee. And there was a corner store and back in that we call back in the day, and you could send a kid to the store with like a note. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> and that's it. That's yeah. all you need. Yeah. And, you know, whatever it was. So, <laughs> put it in the brown paper bag and go. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I had a dream that I had gone to fetch some stuff in the store, but there was no one in there and there was nothing on the shelf except bottles of sauce with his face on it. Like every single shelf, I'm like, oh, I can see it. It's in a bottle. That is what I'm going to do. I just don't know how. So I woke up and like, that's, I don't know the how part, but I'm still amped now. I know that it's probably not great timing for any entrepreneur out there or someone thinking about it. There's never a a perfect time. So you just got to go with it or don't. But I was like, I have to go for it because it's going to bug me. I reached out to uh, score.org in Dayton, Ohio, and they assigned me a mentor. They gave me a checklist on, okay, we hear what you're saying. You want to just take a, you want to make some bottles for your friends and family so they can, you know, feel this cathartic moment of having something that, that has so many memories tied to it. But let's put some business acumen behind this. Let's sure. let's kind of structure this in a way that can really take care of your family. And I wasn't thinking on that level. I was just thinking, you know, find me somebody who can throw this in a jar. I'm active duty, so that's my number one priority. I got to be at PT at five, then I got to be at work at seven, you know, work till seven. Yeah. So it wasn't my top priority when I started. I just wanted to get it done in the most efficient way. And so they taught me about packaging, having someone, it's called contract packaging or co-packaging, having someone, you pay them and they will put it in the jar and label it and all this stuff. So that's how I started out. Mentorship is so powerful, especially for resilience. This show is all about resilience, you know, and especially with all the ups and downs of entrepreneurial life, having that good mentor there is vital to keeping your chin up and keeping your head up and keep going. So John Suter, tell us about him and the speed of determination. Will you tell us a little bit about that? Oh man, John Suter is a legend. I mean, seriously, I couldn't have done anything without him. He was about my grandfather's age if he was still alive. So that for me emotionally did a lot having mentorship from someone of the same generation as my granddad. He had exited two manufacturing companies and was basically, you know, he was set for life and he had nothing but time and he wanted to give back. And so he was a mentor at SCORE and, you know, you sit at the table with him, he's got a coffee, okay, whippersnapper, what you want to (laughs) do. And so I told him the story of my granddad. He's nodding. He's like, I said, so how, how long does this take? And he said, well, I move at the speed of determination. And I was like, well, how fast is that? Numbers behind that? And he said, however determined you are to do this is how fast it's going to happen. 
I see. And, you know, it gave me marching orders without, without give, you know, without having to say a lot, you know, he said so much in that moment without really having to do anything. It set a fire in me. I'm like, well, that can be really fast because I'm determined to do this. Nice. And that became four months. So usually with a manufactured product, especially if you have to do beta testing and labeling and shelf life calculations and, you know, all the stuff that goes into making something ready for human consumption on a mass scale, it takes like a year. <laughs> it really does take a year. But a couple of things that we pointed out from, you know, just a timeline perspective, my grandfather had kind of done the work. He had done the beta testing. I had from 1956 to now of all the people who said, this is awesome. <laughs> like, right. And he said, are you going to do anything different to the recipe? Or are you just going to recreate the original recipe? I was like, down to the very last ingredient, recreate it. If it's not popular right now, because we had this whole gluten-free craze and the, you know, all these different things that you could alter it to be something to fit the current trending narrative. I said, no, it's going to be straight from 1956. No chaser. That's it. Yeah, that helped me. That's, and he assigned me a peer mentor. So he said, I think you need to hear from someone who's done this before. You know, someone who has a product that's in the grocery store so you can hear all of the pitfalls that they went through and maybe give you some pointers. But he did a number when he gave me um, Peggy Hein Bellamy. She owned a bit of a bite salsa. And she gave me her, her Rolodex that was basically 10 years of research in that local area. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. You also had Damon John yes. as a mentor. Tell me about that. That's a very interesting part of the story because to me, that's like the lesson on patience and persistence and what you think is the big prize or, you know, if you face rejection early on and give up, you're, you might miss out on the best part of the journey if you give up too soon. Because mm -hmm. we did, we went to Shark Tank at the six-month mark. Six months in business. I'm in Hollywood about to pitch to the Sharks on Shark Tank. And I was nervous as heck because I was still on active duty. <laughs> I was still on active duty. I was sitting there like, I cannot believe the Air Force is letting me go to Hollywood. I was the first wow. active duty Air Force person. So there's been, you see the show, it's got tons of National Guard, reservists and stuff, but not active duty wow. military. Wow. And that was tough because you have to toe a line. And Bunker Labs, Todd Connor just came out with a book, Third Shift Entrepreneur. And we talked about that. Like there's that dirty little secret of when you own a business, not everybody is in your corner yeah. because they think that you can't do both. Mm. You're not allowed to do both. Yeah. So when you're active duty and you tell them that you own a business, some people are like, hooray. And some people are like, for real, mm -hmm. why don't you just get out and do that? Yeah, <laughs> you know, <right. laughs> so to have the Air Force's support meant way more than they realized. Because at my level, I was dealing with some people weren't fans of, of mm -hmm. that me getting that opportunity. But I got there, and I probably pitched for like an hour. It's a lot longer than yeah. TV. Mm -hmm. It looks like maybe five ten minutes on TV, but it was a couple hours for me. I thought I was going to pass out under the lights. <laughs> and they do that too. I will tell you. They cut the video. So if you 
or ask the question and then they pan to the person they're like pouring down with sweat oh they're nervous oh they're nervous no that is like an hour and a half after standing up under those hot lights 100 degrees you know that's what that is they can edit it to make it look however they want but i i was nervous and i feel like they could tell that i had not settled into my purpose yet i hadn't quite solidified my why and why I'm doing it. And they still, a couple of them had that mindset of you're either an entrepreneur or a entrepreneur. If you haven't quit everything else and just do this or quit your job on national TV, you know, and the one thing the Air Force said, like, you better not quit your job on national TV. (laughs) (laughs) You better not. (laughs) I'm like, yes, sir. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. So when it came time to talk about how dedicated are you to getting this to the next level, you know, will you abandon all other things? The question was, do you have anything else that's a a priority that's keeping you from doing this? And I said, well, you know, I think at some point I'll be able to give this all of my attention, but I do need a shark's help to get it to the next level. They're like, well, one of them said, well, what the heck do you have to do that's more important than this? Ah, I wasn't in a uniform. Uh, I see. I was a a civilian and they didn't know who was the military person as far as I knew. Mm. So I was like, a couple things made that moment really uncomfortable. One, you assume that the female was not the military person. Right. Right. And then two, (laughs) you're asking her to prioritize her company over her service. Right. Which might not go. So they all start backtracking. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> and yeah. so what, not even like an hour in, they're like, well, you know what? We've come to the conclusion you need to continue to serve. And at some point you'll know when you can do mutt sauce, you know, put all your energy into it. No deal. Hmm. So I spent a long time preparing for that. And I felt pretty dejected to go back to my base when sure. everybody's like, did you make it? What episode are you? And you're mm-hmm. like, No. And the one person that I wanted to pitch to, because they said you have to think about a shark to pitch to, was Damon John. Mm Because we had the same upbringing. He understood Mm -hmm. the hustle and the grind of selling it out of the back of your car. Mm -hmm. You know, all those things that I did really was symmetrical with his journey. And he was the one shark that was not there. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't even there. Mm -hmm. So I tell that because... 2017, after being in business a few more years, at the four-year mark, I joined this group called Military Influencers, and someone just put a note. They said, hey, today's the last day to apply for Bob Evans Farms Heroes the CEOs contest. I barely skimmed it. I was like, oh, that looks great. What, $25,000? So I was like, I need that. You know, I need that. I need that and all the things that I could do to take my sauce to whatever I thought the next level was. Lo and behold, I found out that the mentor that they also give you was Damon John. Mm. And how I knew that was he called me on my cell phone. (laughs) He did. I was walking in a building. Yeah. And I almost didn't answer it because I was like, if I see a number that I don't know, I'm like, you know, hit me in my voicemail. I'll get back to you. Yeah. I was like, okay, this is New York. And I knew that the, the grand prize uh, event was in New York. So I was like, let me just answer it. He's like, hey. I was wow. like, who is this? He's like, this is Damon John. I'm like, I'm being punked. <laughs> like, I knew I was being punked. <laughs> but it really was him. It really was him. And, and 
So you get rejected, right? You get rejected at the four-month mark. You tuck your tail, you go back. But, you know, what you need to do is say, hey, that was a, a lesson learned. And I'm, there's still many ways to continue the journey and continue to serve because really it's about service. So really think about why you're in this. Yeah. Are you in this to make money? Are you in this to be famous? Or what are you in this for? Right. Because some of those things are so superficial, they won't last and they won't give you any fulfillment whatsoever. You, right. you check people at like the five and six and 10 year mark and they're not talking about being famous or being rich. <laughs> They'll tell you about the mission and the impact and how yeah. they want to change lives. But he told me, he checked me and we come from the same side of the track. So I'm here to tell you how not to waste this money because it's going to disappear faster than you realize. Mm -hmm. He says, you need to take care of any outstanding debts you have and you need to take care of anything that's going to have a return on investment. So don't throw, you know, you got 25 grand. I don't want to hear that you want a $10,000 website. So that's what he did for me at that point, that mentorship that he, he said, it's not just about teaching her about business, about meeting her where she's at on her life journey. And telling her in a way that's going to resonate with not having a lot in your life and then finally getting something big to not squander that, that opportunity. So I love the concepts there. We're talking a lot about resilience here, getting up when life knocks you down and, you know, that entrepreneurial life and, and all the challenges that you're facing that we mentioned before. You're sharing your powerful family memories that you cherish with the world. You're seeing, you know, your grandfather's face on that bottle. You're thinking of, all of the meals that you had with him as he used that sauce, how many times, you know, he, you'd see him make it and wonder what was in it or what you, you have all of these things happening to make a powerful brand, to make it something, to make that why deep and strong and beautiful, to keep bringing you to the table when it does get hard. Share a little bit about, you know, when it is hard, when you don't know where the money's coming from, where you can't sell it to enough people or, or whatever the challenge is, how did that help you get up as you were knocked down in during this process? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, there were a lot of things that I implemented over the last few years that, you know, I'm just now getting to a point of being really transparent and letting people know like the downside there are, there's a, you know, there are ups and there's the downside of entrepreneurship and not that it isn't a great experience because some of us, you know, we've had, experiences like being on the bicycle card and the Bob Evans stuff and meeting people like Damon John. But behind the scenes, I was a third shift entrepreneur, still am. Only one year of the seven years that I've run Mutt Sauce. So the six other years, I was either using my background in the military to work contracts for people, freelancing for people. So there was side income coming in to feed, you know, my family. Because one other thing that I learned from Damon was, what do you think, what do you think that you have to sell? How much sauce do you have to sell to pay all your bills? That's a full-time entrepreneur. Everything from the business can pay all of your bills. And so I sat at home and I calculated everything that I have to take care of. I'm like, oh my God. And he said, the reality will sink in. He said, I had to he, for him to pay him and his business partners for them to all be full-time entrepreneurs and keep the lights on. They had to be doing at least $2 million in sales in t-shirts and apparel a year. Mm, right. and, and people aren't looking at that critically. 
Right. And, and so for me, I'm like right now during COVID, I'm the sole source of income for four people. Hmm. I just had a baby in March at the beginning of the pandemic. He oh was sickly. I was coming at the end of a military contract as a reservist. So because I'm not retired, guess what I don't get? Healthcare. <laughs> and my baby doesn't have healthcare. Wow. And that was critical. My, my mom and dad are aging. They're you know, over 55 pre-existing conditions during a pandemic. And my dad was working in a factory where they weren't using PPE and they weren't social distancing. And there was like some hard choices to make. So everybody, I was like, it's going to be team. Everybody stay home. Yeah. How are we going to do it? Shalinda? I will find a way. I just need everyone to stay home. And so I took a job working as a government contractor to make sure that there was a regular salary coming in. I joined the reserves. I went down to the recruiting station. I raised my right hand and I re-upped into the military. I'm currently a reservist. Mm -hmm. So my baby needs health insurance. I will do whatever I have to do. Right. Right. So it's just along the way, you have to be real about what's important to you. And for me, that is my family. And I can't tell people family is everything and my why is legacy if I'm not doing it in real life, if I'm not taking care of them in real life. Right. It's not about looking good on Instagram for me. Yeah, it can't be a story. It has to be the real thing. Yeah. And, and so some people would be shy to be like, oh, I had to get a job because get a job. Yeah. <laughs> get a job because I would rather see you sleeping at night and healthy mental, you know, especially veterans, we got enough stuff that we deal with. Your mental and emotional well-being is paramount. And I would rather you be in a good place there and and not posting anything on social media than vice versa and posting all the time and no one knows that you're absolutely miserable and at the bottom, you know, rock bottom. So right. yeah, because at the end of the day, all we have is the present moment. And you know, if we don't have that and we're not like authentic and real in the present moment. We're not going to connect with other people. We're not going to be present in our own life. And it's not a game. We live for such a short amount of time and you get the miracle of seeing your, your baby when they're at that age for only that small window of time. And when you're doing whatever you need to do to take care of that family, that's a profound legacy that you're leaving with your own that will resonate with them as they remember my mom was amazing. She served in the air force. She did this. She she did that. I remember when times were difficult and you know what? She went down and signed up and she had, to, she did what she needed to do for us. And that ultimate respect that that's, that is born from that, from children realizing true legacy and a profound, deep connection that that will help them get up when they're trying to create their own company, when they're trying to deal with the adversity that they'll face when this pandemic is just a memory in history books and they have their own things that they're dealing with. They will have learned from their mother what it means to, to prioritize wellness, to prioritize, well, this is, this is what matters to me, my family. And, you know, and certainly everything has a role in that, bringing that legacy. And it's like the ebbs and flow of time and your energy. And, you know, when you have income coming in in different ways and all the wise, the wise statements about having multiple streams of income and doing whatever you need to do to make sure that your present moment is as full and as rich as possible. And sometimes that comes through suffering and sometimes that comes through hard terms. But so much respect for you because you're a real person doing real things, not playing any games, not like renting, a, you know, a, a Lamborghini 
beanie and taking a picture in front of it, you know, and saying that I'm the entrepreneur <laughs> of the world, you know, and I'm going to walk by this plane and snap a pic and suddenly everyone's going to think I'm Ty Lopez's buddy or something. <laughs> so I really appreciate how authentic you are and, and the things that you're doing for you and yours. When life deals you, you know, as something really messed up, as you've learned to face these challenges, what is your personal approach to, you know, when you get that negative experience or that adversity happening, you know, is there something you do to, to help yourself rise above that or come back from that? Was there some practice you have? Is it meditation? Is it physical exercise? What do you do to handle those things? Yeah, well, you know, I'm just now starting to, to come out about, I am a disabled veteran. What my main disability rating was trauma and anxiety. So I did a lot of high-vis jobs. I didn't deploy. And so I'm trying to bust these stereotypes about if you didn't deploy overseas, that doesn't mean that, you know, service didn't reach out and touch you, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. That there weren't things that contributed to you having to cope, like it being harder to cope sometimes. But I did so many high-vis jobs, like 2008. People are seeing the California wildfires right now in our country. And it's, it happens inevitably every year. There's some level of wildfire. But if it gets out of hand, they have to augment the military. And that was part of my journey was I was 23 and I was one of four people that helped put out the 2008 California wildfires. So I'm straight out of, straight out of college in a high-vis job. And every day you watch the news, if somebody died, in my head, I'm like, that was my fault. Mm. If people lost their property, I'm not working fast enough. So even though there's a team, you know, it's not like I'm in the planes, but still I'm part of the leadership team. Right. So you take it personally and times that by 10 years of high-vis jobs. Yeah. And so you carry this with you everywhere. And when it came to running a business, I tell people our trauma and the way that we deal with it, we're pros at compartmentalization. If anything, yep. we are pros at putting stuff in a box yep. that has good points and bad points because sometimes boxes open that you close and you don't have control over when it opens. Yeah. <laughs> Something has triggered it to open. Yep. Yeah. Something's right. triggered it to open. And the way I deal with it, and it sounds crazy, but I look at the hierarchy. Like, what is the lowest or what's the most pain I've ever felt? Is it worse than this? No. Okay. You're going to survive. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's and great. I, I really do. I rank order things in my, in my head and internally. I've been through divorce. I've been through having a negative. I had a negative $1,500 balance in my banking account at one point in mutt sauce. Mm. And at the time that it happened, I actually was winning all kinds of local awards and things. And behind the scenes, I was scrambling mm. to figure out how to get out of the red. Everybody on earth was calling me for payment. Mm. And it was just because I didn't realize that when you, when you sell something, like if I sell a ton of sauce to a retail chain grocery store, they have net agreements like net 30, net 60, net 90. It's not instant payment. Yeah. So you spend a ton of money thinking that you're about to get three times back. Yeah. And they're like, oh no, you're not getting a payment for like 90 days. Well, I got bills today. Like right. 
right. today. Yep. And to the point where people are asking you just casually, you want to go out to dinner and you're making up excuses to not go out to dinner because you don't have a dime to your name. Like mm-hmm. nothing. Twice. I, I've driven 10 hours in the middle of the night from DC to Ohio to make meetings. I would sleep on the base and shower in the base gym, mm-hmm. take the meeting, get back in my car, drive all the way back to DC. And that was to fulfill my, you know, to be a good mill spouse, you have to go be where they are and support them. And, but your company's in Ohio. So how are you doing both? You're trying to be all things to everybody and you're being all things to everybody with anxiety (laughs) and trying to compartmentalize your anxiety. Right. So, you know, these are things that I've been through, but I do hire, I do a hierarchy of that. and then. One motto that I have now is like, you know, if you believe in something bigger than yourself, rock bottom has trampoline. So, you know, whatever you want to call it, I call it God. And for me, it's like, I'm the way my faith is set up. You're not going to fall. You're not going to hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Even falling is, is a journey, is a lesson, is your 40 days in the desert, whatever you want to call it. There's a purpose in everything. There's even the purpose in your pain. So I don't have time to sit there and go, what was me? I spend the time going, what am I supposed to learn right now? Like, what is this? What is, what lesson is this? And so I think I'm sitting there turning my wheels. Like, what am I supposed to get? Okay. I just left my marriage in the middle of the night. I'm in, you know, I'm in my car. I have nothing. What am I supposed to learn right now? And it seems crazy to be in that moment, problem solving, instead of crying your eyes out. Mm. Uh, you know, of like you're, you're at rock bottom, but I, that's, that's the only way that I can tell people, like mm-hmm. I will compartmentalize that painful part, the emotion. And then I start thinking about the lesson and, mm-hmm. and, and then what's the action to take. And, and, you know, it might just be emotional intelligence, but we all really have that. We all have an element of emotional intelligence more than I think the regular civilian, because we've been put in situations where we have to not be emotional. You have to think about what you need to do next. Yeah. You can't allow yourself to be paralyzed. There's action that needs to be taken. There are people that are relying on me or there are things that need to be done. I set aside my own internal workings right now and be like, what does the mission require? And then, yeah. And then it's like, it's, and we're really good at that. And then there's a time, like you said, like sometimes that box gets opened when you don't want it to. Because you have oh, yeah. all that, you have that inventory that's been boxed and packaged, right. <laughs> and boom, you know. Yes, <laughs> and that, that's it's real. It's so real. Yeah. I mean, I've had moments where it's like, okay, today is a great day. Everything's going great, and I'm sobbing in my room, like I'm sobbing out of nowhere. I I look at that and say, you know, your body knows how much it can can handle, right? And even for men. Yeah. I have to, I was raised in a household where we were told not to cry, like crying for whatever reason was seen as like weakness or you can't handle this. Mm-hmm. But now as we learn more about the importance of mental and emotional well-being and having a good, healthy well-being inside, I encourage people, if you got to take a moment and cry it out, if you don't want to cry in front of people, take a hot shower. Nobody yeah. will be able to tell the difference. Yeah. <laughs> Get it out of your body because that your body's trying to tell you, I cannot handle all of this. You have to offload something for me. So um, I've had those moments and, and it's okay 
you know, it's okay to just get it out so you can move on and refocus. You, yeah. Your brain can't handle it. It just can't. It's a physiological experience. I mean, you can, we cannot shove that down. It wants to come out. It's dying to be honored. I mean, it's no joke. I don't care if anybody, you know, anybody saying this and saying this is like uh, soft or this isn't manly stuff or this conversation about mental health is not like manly or, you know, disciplined enough. Veterans are killing themselves every day. You know, how many people are taking their own lives? I don't care how tough you think you are. When you go into these zones and you see the things that happen and you have that stress on you, I don't care if you're a man, a woman, I don't care who you are, you're in that situation, you are going to be affected by it. And if you don't process it, if you don't allow yourself to open that box, it'll open on you and you will, there will be things that happen. Your body demands it. Your mind demands it. It, Whatever we have within us, whether it's a soul, a spirit, a neuroscience, whatever it is, it needs to be experienced, processed, and honored. And so anybody out there who's talking smack right now about all oh, this guy I'm talking about, or this is too, this is all this crap about, you know, snowflakes and all this, I don't care what you're saying. The fact nah, that people are killing themselves left and right because we're not allowing each other to decompress, to process, to open these boxes together when we have solidarity, commitment, and connection help each other get through it. So I love that you're bringing that to the table to, to challenge us all, and especially in the veteran community, you know, to say, look, the judgment needs to go away. And, and I don't care if you served in Fallujah or you were just, you know, a medic in a clinic, you know, and you saw yeah. being brought in. It doesn't matter. It's a sense of PTSD is a sense of helplessness and horror or terror at the same time fused into a moment. And people can have trauma related to that. We can have higher amounts of anxiety, depression. And so whenever we can start actually having the dialogue about the truth of these issues, then we can start to have really true leadership in helping us all go even further to thrive in our civilian environments, thrive during service, and to be prepared for service of what it is that we don't just believe a commercial jump in and think it's think that we're going to be you know super ninjas out there that save the world, and then we'll have some more satisfying post service you know experiences where our families don't just get a shell of what we were back home, but they get us back when we do come back. I would just love to anybody who wants to you know challenge that. I, I'm willing to have that debate and willing to talk with folks about that, but fact of the matter is if you need to get some help, you need to get some help. And people who are surviving this and getting through this are doing just that. I'll leave this advice too, because sometimes I get asked, you know, how do you balance everything? Mm -hmm. And I don't believe in balance. I don't think that it exists. I think no matter what you're doing, if you're focusing on your business, your family is getting gypped. If you focus on your family, your business is getting gypped. Somewhere, someone's not going to be 100% satisfied with the amount of time that you're allocating. And and being an entrepreneur means sometimes to be misunderstood because you have something in you, a fire in you that's meant for you. Nobody else understands that. So, you know, to try to get people to understand is a waste of time. The best thing that you can do when you're trying to go through situations where someone feels like they're not getting enough attention, your spouse, your friends, your, your kids, you have to communicate. And that is basically the only tip I have is communicate, communicate, communicate. Do not bottle that up. Even if it is a box and you're dealing with it, tell them I have, I have put this in a box right now. I cannot focus on this 
right now. I have to allocate this much time to this. I don't expect you to understand, but I do need you to understand that this is important to me and I can't give you all of myself if you don't let me get this out the way. And I tell my family that too. I'm like, I have to get, because if, if you demand that I spend time with you versus get this off my mind, you're getting me physically, but not, I'm not here. I'm not here with you. Right. I'm still thinking about the checklist of things I have to do. And it's not always going to be all day, every day. And you, and you have to commit to that of giving them that quality time because you can't get it back. You know, you're going to miss out on stuff. You constantly prioritize one thing over the other, but communicate to them, especially when things are bad. If you're not good with finances and financial literacy is not your strength, at least communicate or find someone who's not in your family. Cause I noticed this is about a lot of entrepreneurs. When you're dealing with finances, sometimes you need someone outside of your marriage or your relationship that you can confide in that knows your whole financial portfolio, right. like all of it, yeah. all of your debt, yeah. all of your student loans, mm-hmm. all of it. Because some of these news stories that I see where, you know, Airman so-and-so off himself and their whole family or the woman who like took out all of her kids randomly were dealing with things that they were not talking to anyone about. And so they, they shouldered their responsibility and said, this is just my problem. Nobody will understand. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to help me. But you don't know that if you don't open up and you have to find a judgment-free zone somewhere, seek it out. Don't sit there and wait for them to come to you. You Seek out someone. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to, I have to have that accountability too, because sometimes it's too much to articulate to, you know, my, my parents are older and they care and stuff. But if I want to talk about, oh, I need to get my cost of goods sold down, I have to figure this out immediately. Or how do I get my distribution costs down? Or, you know, what am I going to do? Do I put my, do I put my money in a Gerber grow up plan for my kid or whatever? You know, I'm getting to the nitty gritty. I find someone who can go on that level. That's not going to be like, dang girl, you need to get it together. <laughs> you know, right, Judgment free. Right. Yep. Find that person and do that. Communicate. Vital. Absolutely. This has been great, Charlinda. This is how I always end the show. I have six quick questions to help my listeners understand the why within my phenomenal guests. Can we run through these six quick questions? Yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) All right. So the first question is, who are you thankful for today? My son. And now that we've covered who you're thankful for today, what are you thankful for today? Family. And how do you fuel the fire within you? Love. And what is one thing adversity taught you to value? Time. What are you doing today you may have never thought you could? Never sleep. (laughs) And what will you do tomorrow that you may have never thought you could? Delegate more. Charlinda, how can people learn more about you and your amazing work? You can go to muttsauce.com, two T's, two S's. You can also follow my antics on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Charlinda Jean, J-E-A-N. 